the Casa Brew Show. Highly energetic open from myself and from you, Cos. I mean, and that, that's surprising because you went to a show last night. <laughs> I want to hear about this show that we're, we're going to talk about other other stuff, obviously. But um, the show you you yeah. called me from the show, you were giddy, like you yes, just was, stumbled man. upon something amazing, and um, <laughs> all I did was stay up and watch Beer Fest, and I'll tell you all about that. But um, no, we're going to cover we're going to cover NBA stuff on the show. We're going to cover the Clippers. We're gonna cover Steve Ballmer. We're gonna cover nice. Steve Kerr. <laughs> two two Steves. Totally different points of view. <laughs> uh cover some OKC, some Sam Presti, and you know what? We said this is gonna be a quick pod. We're gonna cover tampering in the NBA. Yeah, yeah and, no problem. I mean just just some small topics that we can just race through. But um let's start with the show cause what was what was this i I mean i've been waiting tell me so last night i got to see the nappy roots i don't know if you're familiar with the nappy roots they're kentucky hip-hop group uh their first album dropped in like the early 2000s like 2001 or two something like that so i hadn't heard from them in a while so they're in sebastopol and so for those of you who don't know sebastopol is pretty hippie town you know yes you think (laughs) so it was like it was like the like the Sebastopolness of the show was so awesome. Like the people watching, so they had a DJ on before because they the show they said it was going to be a nine. I don't think they got on until about twelve. Oh, by the way, a high concentration of my high school friends' parents have moved to Sebastopol for the yes. for the sole purpose of growing pot. I'm not yes, kidding. it's like the Florida of Sonoma <laughs> County. You know, like these are talking like I, straight I, edge parents from my high school oh, days. Totally. Yes. <laughs> like, I, I, I oh, got like you're, you 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 moved to Sebastopol to grow pot. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, right? That's so funny. But anyway, like so there were a couple of pe- the people watching before the, the Nabby Roots were awesome by the way. If you have chances to see them live, please do. They they were awesome. They they definitely embraced their Kentuckiness and they like brought bourbon on the stage and if you had a glass you were actually they were actually pouring shots like during the show so <laughs> it was pretty cool um but uh there was one guy who was a bit on the flamboyant side and he danced probably the entire so the three hours the dj was on and the entire show and he never once was on beat and then, like, there was also, he also had props. Like, he was dancing, and then, like, all of a sudden, you look over, he had a hula hoop, you know? And then, like, so he's doing this hula hoop. He actually looked pretty comfortable with the hula hoop. He looked like he knew what he was doing with the hula hoop. And then, like, another hour later, he had these, like, kind of tassel. They were, like, they were, like, <laughs> flashing, like, tassels on ropes and stuff. And, like, it was just so bizarre. And I'm, like... Because I was in the restaurant earlier and saw him come in and he didn't have any of that stuff. So I don't know if like there was like a little booth somewhere that you can go get props to um to <laughs> dance with. I don't know, but he he somehow got them. So he was like probably the number one people watching person. There was also like a guy who if hip hop was around in the like sixties, I'd imagine 
he danced like a young Unabomber would have danced if he had listened to hip hop. Like he was just, he kind of looked like the Unabomber and he had these like very violent movements (laughs) to his dances. It was just like, it was kind of scary and like, it was just weird. Were they dancing next to each other? Was this a a contrast thing? I wish they were, because if they were, I probably wouldn't have watched the show. I probably would have spent the entire time just filming them. And then there was like, those were the two. There was one lady who just, I mean, you know, she just really wanted a piece of that DJ. I mean, she was, it was just her and him in the room, apparently, as far as she was concerned. (laughs) But uh, yeah, Sebastopol, if you get a chance to get to Sonoma County... Go to Hot Monk Tavern. Watch any show. I'm sure that they're hot, hot, hot Monk Tavern, by the way. We're giving you the free promo here. Hot Monk yes. Tavern. That, yes. that's, that's so Sebastopol. That, you, you get the hops, you get the monks, you get the tavern. That's great, that's cut. And you did this on a, on a Thursday night. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You sound a little spry for you know, having gone out on a Thursday I'm night. Hanging on by a thread. I have, I have, all I have to give is going to be given to this show, and then I probably will fall asleep. Well, thank you for that. Um, yeah, you know, I got, I got roped into watching Beer Fest last night, which is like a three beer minimum if you're watching that movie. Seen that one? Have you seen it? No, who's in it? Uh, the Broken Lizard Troop. The guys that did, um, oh, what is that movie? The uh, Super Troopers. Those guys. Okay. Okay. You know what, Kaz? You should watch this movie because you've been in the acting industry. You know how this all goes. Like, I think they put out a quality stupid movie. Like, <laughs> like you can see the joke within the joke, and and yeah. they didn't have that in Super Super Troopers Two. It was kind of bad. Um, some of their other stuff is hit or miss. Those guys are really funny though. And and anyway, yeah. it's a it's a three beer minimum to watch that movie because it's about a beer drinking competition. And you can't watch that without drinking just a little faster and a little bit more. So um, as I was doing projections for the Brewski 150, if there's a section of the projections that was particularly drunk, it was that section. Now, um, just actually um, put actually preparing for uh, projections is what we were doing over there as we get ready for the basketball season, which is basically a 24-7, 365 thing here. So stuff continues to happen. We have, you know, this, this Steve Ballmer press conference, and I guess we'll call it that because he's like the only guy in the world that can pull this off. You just signed Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, and, and these are the, two of the biggest names in the NBA. And the, the press conference is all about you. <laughs> like, and, and I don't think they minded like looking no. at them. I think they were just like, we're here just like you guys are watching this show here. And we don't know quite what to make of it, but you know he seems harmless, so we'll go with it. <laughs> that's what—that's the only thing that saves him. Is like he seems harmless. Like the very first things out of his mouth, he's like, "Yeah, I got these notes. I got these notes." <laughs> Did he do that? Did he do the classic like take the notes and tear them up and throw them over your shoulder? <laughs> he didn't throw them, but he just like you like I got these notes, but pretty. This is pretty cool. This is pretty cool. It's like. That's when the adrenaline kicks in. Oh, when someone's screaming about something being cool in the most uncool possible way, it's just great. Like, and he started to clap, you know, and that it's such a violent clap. 
You know, it's so it violent. Is. And- I, like, I'm, if you're in the front so row, you probably brace yourself. <laughs> is this guy going to hit me? <laughs> totally. It's such a weird clap. I mean, we actually, so, but- we did some reporting on, he had a couple meetings when in his Microsoft days where people came out of those meetings, not thrilled, you know, yeah. with that kind of a deal. And, oh, um, God. and we yeah, also did a fake, some- we also did a joke tweet, which will live in fame. It will live in fame. He, he, he's just such a bizarre man. It's just, uh, it's, he's just, yeah, he's just Balmer. Yeah, so if you didn't get a chance to see this thing, just YouTube it, obviously. It's worth your time. It's kind of like the Kawhi Leonard laugh thing. Oh, you know, yeah. Yeah, everybody, oh, yeah. there's always a thing, right? There's a thing every day that you gotta see. <laughs> and speaking, I, of, speaking about Kawhi, did you hear what he said? He was like, uh, he's like, you know, I don't have a, I don't have any social media, so I couldn't. Uh, he, they were talking about the fans in Toronto. He's like, so I couldn't thank the fans. I couldn't write a paragraph or whatever. <laughs> Kawhi is that dude, man. He he just he he like unlike a lot of people, players, you know, he definitely is not buying into social media as a concept. Um, no, but there are people in our lives that. They they just don't care about what's going on in yeah. the social media space, and they live wonderful lives. Yes. Um, I'm not saying you can't be on social media and balance it all, because that's really when you hear people complain about this stuff. You know, yes, we have to do it for our job, so we're kind of stuck no matter what. But if you can't kind of relate to the social media in the right way, that's kind of on you. Um, yeah, you know, it doesn't have to be the end all be all, uh, and and it's very hard. I mean, especially in today's day and age with what we see on social media, it's yeah. hard. Um, but Kawhi's not that, he, he literally, and this is actually, you know, NBA teams operate in this space as well. I mean, heck, I was just reading this thing on James Dolan, who obviously doesn't care what anybody thinks. Um, but teams, they literally don't care what is going on on social media. Um, they care when uh, terrestrial media or bigger name media get their cues from social media and run with those kinds of things. But Kawhi doesn't care. And you kind of get that in these recent interviews. He had a great one with Chris Haynes um, Uh of Yahoo, where Chris, Chris is great, man, you know, kind of talked with him a little bit at a summer league that we went to, um, you know, did some Twitter uh, back and forth with him um, when he was covering the uh, Blazers. Uh, He can play ball actually too. So that's a random thing. Um, the uh but he he really got quite a loosen up and just sort of talk about free agency and i think the biggest takeaway is Kawhi just was going to do his thing no matter what and his circle is really small and tight and they don't leak you know yeah. maybe a little here and there but um so he comes to this, you know, all of this kind of fanfare and commotion with a really interesting, I don't, you know, give a blank bleep, you know, about any of it. Now, Paul George sitting next to him on the right, I would say, is the exact opposite <laughs> and does stuff all the time that shows he really cares about social media yeah. and, and stuff like that. So we'll, we'll cover a little bit about the Clippers here. We didn't spend that much time on them. I think we either, with them or the Lakers, one or the other on the last show we did for post free agency stuff we said we were going to talk about the lakers or the clippers 
I think we said we were going to talk about the Clippers in a future show, and then said we were going to talk about the Lakers, and then didn't talk about them because we were going too fast. Um, so we'll spend some time talking about the Clippers here. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, that press conference really, I mean, it did, the Clippers are buzzy right now. They're, they're, yeah. They got the players. They got really unique personnel um, defensively. Like, yes. I, and we both love defense, thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, there are many people and players that only care about offense, and I don't know how they make it through the day. Um, I know, right? But nothing, nothing gets, gets my, uh, my uh, biscuits uh, bacon like a good 24 second shot clock violation. That's 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 what I that's what I like. You know, I, I it's it's a very unsexy thing. But not really. I mean the crowd goes wild. I, I like it. I like it. And they can do this with Pat Beverly. I mean Shamit can move. Is yeah. it is it pronounced Shamit or is it I think it's Shamit. He I mean, can think about that. Like you're Shamit well, I guess Lou Williams is your worst perimeter defender. But, like, Shaman, if he plays for 10 years, there's not going to be a whole lot of time where he's the the fourth best defender on the perimeter on his team. You know? Like, that's pretty nuts. Like, not that he's a great defender, but it's pretty good. I'll, I'll say this. I don't really know what his ceiling is. Like, I know it's not elite player. Um, and I know people will make the kind of easy comparison to Clay Thompson. Um no. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, but I think he moves a little better than Clay did at that stage of his career. Um, he's, he, yeah, I mean, he's a, what do you mean, uh, defensively? Or, I mean, defensively, uh, just, laterally, or, quick, lateral quick. The big thing with him is the lateral quickness. I just was not ready for that. You know, watching him as a rookie, you know, and, and towards the end of the year, like, I just wasn't ready to see that speed. So, um, I, I I think, you know, he's got a ton of upside there, and and he can shoot. So, where does he go from there? Like, does he have a chance at being a Clay Thompson? I don't know. Yeah, I do. He does not. <laughs> but, but he's a really good player. I mean, I think that he is a possible. I mean, I think he he can make an All Star team. You know, at some point down the road, I, I think that he's that good, but. But he's not going for 39 and a quarter. Uh, He he might, but I don't know that he can do that, like, to where it's not as big a deal. Like, when Clay has some of these – I mean, the the 39 was pretty crazy. But, like, some of the time – some of the things he does when he has these spurts, you're like, it's it's got a little – it's got a little routine. It's not surprising. You know, you should never – you should always be surprised when a guy, like – doesn't dribble the ball and scores like 20 points in the quarter. Like that should always surprise you. But with clay, it's like, yeah, just want a little clay on us, you know, but, um, Patrick, but a really good- Patrick Beverly, Landry Shamit, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. That is absurd defensively. And at the same time, they do have these, these holes, you know, when you add Montrez Harrell, I think a lot of people look at Harrell and think he is an elite defender. And I don't know that he's that. Um, uh, yeah. 
If I you, just think he plays really hard. <laughs> yeah, I, he does that, and he has these really unique, you know, athletic skill sets. Like he he does move pretty well laterally. He he's got good jumping ability. Uh, he's long for his height, um, but yeah. there's something instinctually that's kind of maybe not quite there, um, and and maybe over pursuing certain angles. Um, I I think he might get lost a little bit from time to time and like. Um rotations to the perimeter yeah the, the angle stuff but i think like he does if a guy the few guys that do try to work on the block i think he does a really good job of, of getting back and getting to his spots and forcing them off you know getting there first and uh, not letting them establish position um i think he's got really good hands um you know he he, he does a good job of getting at the ball before you um, get it up, uh, but um, I think playing hard, really hard on both ends, and he's going to sprint back on offense every time. So I, I think playing people don't understand how much playing hard, how much that covers up, how many faults that'll cover up. Like when you when you're a big guy and you got to chase, <laughs> you you go down and you you try to make a move, you miss whatever, you're running around setting screens. And then the guy that you're covering is in a full-out sprint, like almost every single possession, that, that's going to wear you down. And it really covers up for all the other faults that he has. So I, I love, you know, we're looking at players as they enter the league, and I, there was a lot of them that had this sort of, like, wasn't recruited, you know, they're, they're coming into the league with a chip on their shoulder, and that's Kawhi. You know, even Paul George, to a certain degree, you sure. know, he went 12, I think, with, with Indy, um, mm-hmm. you know, wasn't given anything early on. I think this, like, you're just seeing such a clear distinction between high-end players that came into the league through the Duke recruiting machine or whatever, you know, blue blood school. They were preordained, and then they got into the league with a big old reputation, and now they just have these foundational issues that people are like, well, why can't they get to the next level? Well, it's just sitting right there obvious for you. And, and you know yeah. what? I mean, heck, we're going to talk about Sam Presti here in a second, you know, and, and that's a franchise that's fallen to that kind of a thing, um, you know, with their superstars. But, you know, back to the Clippers, they just have done such a great job, obviously bringing in this talent, but they've got that unique defensive skill set that we just don't see that very often, you know? I think what maybe Detroit, you know, had that had a kind of defense where you thought, okay, this could wear you out, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. I mean, there's been other great teams, but not like um, they're going to be really. And, and we're not. And we were talking all this. It's not like they're chumps on offense either, <laughs> which is even crazier. Like normally, teams that have this kind of. Uh, defensive um you know ceiling you know they're gonna be like a bunch of guys that are role players and not be able to light you up i mean they've got a lot of scoring on this team there's a lot of pop so um you know i I just when you think about playoffs and you know it's a playoffs are all about matchups you just i have a hard time seeing where teams are gonna go um Offensively, since the league is so much perimeter oriented now, I just don't know what you're gonna do. 
if you've got to go through George and Kawhi, you know, like that's maybe the best two, three combo defensively we've seen since what Jordan and Pippen, maybe. I mean, it's been a Ooh, while. I mean, yeah, you, you really got to look, look at that. You know, that that's the pedigree we're talking about here. And, and I'm really yeah. interested to see what doc rivers does with it all. Like it, it will, he, yeah. will he, a lot of teams are getting smart, you know, with all the switching that's going on. They're they're working the offensive glass off of the off of these switches, you know. Mm-hmm. They're sort of living with okay, you're going to switch this. We're just going to move the ball around, and now you got to box this guy out. And you know, some of these, especially a guy like Montrez, isn't the greatest rebounder, but like you know, the, the leapers out there, you yeah. know, the the John Collinses of the world, you know, yeah. that can really just get around, you know, almost like a football player on a defensive end, get around, get under. And and just punish a Trey Young, you know, <laughs> or yeah. whoever whoever it is that's out there, you know. Yeah. And so what I'm w- wondering is, does Doc Rivers have these guys fight through screens because they got so much versatility? And then what are you doing? You know, you're, you're kind of like you're you're bringing a defense that nobody else has, and you know, yeah. teams might not react well to that. So it could be, I mean, a lot of dynamic, you know, things that they can bring to the table. I do have a question for you before we move on. You, you sound like you, you really want to say something, so I'll just well, shut up. Does it surprise you that teams don't have multiple strategies, particularly in the, particularly in the playoffs when there's so much time to <sighs> do that kind of thing? Like, I, like, you know, you can do the switch everything, but wouldn't it behoove you to, like, throw in these like stretches of the game where you are going to fight through everything just to see, because so many the, the offenses have gotten so lazy, especially if you have like a big time score. Like, say you have a Kyrie Irving. It's just a given to him and to the other, to the team that he can, he's going to get the ball. He's going to dribble up top for, you know, waste eight, 10 seconds. A screen's going to come. He's going to get the switch. He wants like, if they do all that and you don't switch, you're in a world of hurt if you have those kind of elite defenders on them, you know? And I, I just it just surprises me that more teams don't like mix it up. It's it's with especially you have unlimited resources, right? So you could theoretically hire, you know, coaching that could be specific to that kind of coordination on the court. And they are doing it to some degree. Um, but what I think you're talking about is if you had your way, you know, how would you run this thing? And I would say you probably do some, I mean, it's like, you know, I pitch baseball. So like, you know, you're constantly trying to set people up. So you go fastball curve, you know, just keeping people off balance. And that is kind of what you don't see in the NBA because these guys do, you know, they fly in. You know, let's say it's a a second game on the back-to-back. You know, they're flying in and they're playing the Suns. They ain't thinking about that game. You know, if if it's a good team, they they should be. But, you know, reality is that they might not be. So you're not bringing your A game into that game. You probably – it's not even wise to show your A game, frankly. Sure. But you you should practice that. You should probably give that – you know, sort of a way to be like, this is who we are. This is, we switch our defense pretty frequently throughout the game just to show you guys different looks. And right. <clears throat> so when the playoffs come around, 
you can do the whole Rocky thing where you switch from Southpaw to regular or vice versa, you know? And they're like, what the hell? I don't know what to do now. And that's not a part of this uh, league right now, which is weird. You would think that, you know, winning would, uh, would bring that into the equation. <laughs> the want to win would bring that into the yeah. equation. But not, my question for you is, before we spin over to Presti, is that, that press conference was kind of like, it wasn't arrogant because Steve Ballmer, like, th- there's no way to categorize him like that. Yeah. But it, to me, it did serve as like a kind of like a to the rest of the league. Hey, you know, we're here and you yeah. got a respected coach in Doc Rivers. You got Lawrence Frank pulling strings in the background. They look pretty damn happy up there and for good reason. Um, right. I mean, you're you're a Laker fan. They're having their problems. They did just bring in right. Anthony Davis, you know, so they, right. they get a bite at the apple here. Who who do you think owns LA in five years? In five years, the, I think it's probably gonna be the Clippers because they'll have won a couple of rings. Like like <laughs> I I don't wanna be like I'm glad that you said that it seemed arrogant. Because it did. It, it did. The the press it, it felt like they they are they damn well know they're going to win a championship if everyone's healthy. Like and it wasn't like um, obnoxiously arrogant, but like they're they're just like the way the game is being played. Like the kind of guys it be this isn't just a collection of talent. It's what you were talking about earlier. It's the kind of guys like Patrick Beverly and Montrezl Harrell and Kawhi Leonard are never going to not be playing hard. You know they're not they're not gonna be like oh man they just didn't bring it on defense no that's that, that's just not gonna happen you know and and so it's just I mean like think of like think of like what Lou Williams is gonna be able to do offensively with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George on the floor with him like no, like we 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 haven't even touched on that in all our Clippers talk like one of the absolute best one-on-one scorers in the league will never be double teamed on this ever and more more importantly he's gonna have guys running at him pretty much every game you know i had the thought right now of like kind of like when things are going too well there needs to be like um you know some some pushback on that like so if Kawhi and paul george are out there doing their thing you know and they're they're getting calls they're getting star calls do the refs kind of look at Lou Williams and go, oh, we can't give you all those calls anymore. Like, this is too much. Like, we're get, you know, we, we've blown yeah. the whistle for Kawhi. We've blown the whistle for Paul George now. And then Paul George doesn't draw as many fouls, you know. He doesn't. As Kawhi. Uh, he, he doesn't. I thought that, I thought he really turned a corner in this, in that Warrior series. I thought that he found a way to, to score without getting the calls. And then, and then he ended up getting the calls. Like, he, he wasn't – like, normally he just kind of, like, in those playoff or intense situations, he doesn't get the calls, and then he just kind of fades away. Like, he kept being ultra-aggressive and kept – and then he, and he found ways to score, and then eventually he did start to get his calls again. So I don't, I don't see that that's going to – that kind of finding that little um, bit of, you know, the magic potion of confidence in that situation – I can't imagine that goes away now that you have two really good players on your team. You know, like 
basketball is one of those sports where, like, when you just get really good players, everybody's more confident. So I, I don't, I, I can't imagine that that's going to happen, really. But well, I'll say this: the only question mark I have with them in a championship is what the bigs do, and yeah, I'm not even sure if it matters. Like. Yeah, so well, I'm that, thinking that, about like a Joel Embiid taking somebody like Zubac down to the block and just wrecking him. You know, I'm thinking, but but that, even then, would he be quick enough with his moves to beat those double teams from that group of defenders that can recover, that, they can dig? I mean, yes. it's it's, and that's the one I think, and I don't know that they want to do this. Like like. The one like like I was somebody, I was talking to somebody the other day and they're like, "Well, is what's your you're, you're talking a lot about the Clippers? What's the path for the Lakers to win?" And I was like, "Well, it's it's pretty simple. It's LeBron James and Anthony Davis dedicating themselves to the block. I mean, like the the Clippers will not be able to do anything with. And if both LeBron of those James, guys just want to shoot threes. And they just want to shoot threes. That's I mean, you, there was a quote from Anthony Davis that said he really was working on his pull up game. And yeah. I, I, I kind of just laughed. Like, can you imagine? Like, can you imagine like having that body and that kind of talent, and that's what you, and, and that's what you're working on. You know, <laughs> like which it's going. It's like, like it's like it's, an issue as old as time, man. I remember Biggs always going to the three point line. <laughs> no, man, you can't do that now. Of course, it's smart to do that now, and yes. you know, it, it really is. But like. Oh, man. And everybody tries to blame it on illegal defense rules. And it's like, okay, I get it. Yeah, you, you have a bit of a problem there with the way that the defense is called. Um, but right. still, I mean, I, I, and credit to Joel Embiid. He does this as well as anybody. I mean, when he wants to, he gets devastating down. We're going to be debuting. I believe that's coming next week, and I believe we have a pretty damn good guest. I don't want to put anybody on. I mean, here's the pressure. It's Brandon Marcus. He does a great job for us in our fantasy stuff, but he's been kind of around the league a little bit and um, <clears throat> obviously does really good work. Um, so that show's going to be phenomenal, and it's going to be starting next week. So uh, they'll cover that. You guys should just follow Hoopball Clips. Um, that's where that's going to be. And we're excited because that's going to be where the action is going to be. So uh, we've got pods for that. Um, we, we, have, we, we have pods for the Nets. We have pods for the Lakers. And we might have pods for another team to be named really soon. So we'll see how that goes. All right, let's talk about Charlotte. the Sam Presti. What, what's that? Charlotte. Please make it Charlotte. <laughs> Oh, man, that's looking rough in Charlotte. <laughs> I looked at that roster the other day. I'm, I'm putting out some win totals here pretty soon. I went, was it 13-9, and 12-9 last year? And I'm really disappointed because, like, I felt like I should have gone way better than that. And I typically do. Um, but Charlotte, I was looking at their wins. I think their win total is, like, two this year. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Presti. Yes. The great, the great Sam Presti. I'm willing to call him great. I think you know if you last in this league, like he has, um, you know, and everybody has the highest respect for him, which I think has worked against him. Like I don't yes. think he's he hasn't burned the way that a lot of general managers burn, and you, you learn a lot in the fire. 
yeah. he he yeah. penned this really long, verbose sort of uh, letter to Oklahoma, to Oklahoma City. Okay. It it really was like long. <laughs> it was. It, it, <laughs> It's a kind of they kind of kept thinking of Jerry Maguire, like you know, like he had the pizza and then he stayed up late and then he sent this out and then chased it down. Like, oh, I can't believe I sent that. Now it wasn't that, it wasn't that, but it there was a line in there about small market teams. Um, I'll find it here somewhere in this article. It was basically small market teams are at a disadvantage. Um, given the way the league system is designed, small market teams operate with significant disadvantages. There is no reason to pretend otherwise. This is in no way means that we cannot be extraordinarily successful. We and several other small to mid-market teams are our own best examples of the ability to overcome these realities. It's a pretty good humble brag there. It simply yeah, means right. we must be thinking differently, optimistically finding our advantages by other means. I think he's a planner. If you know, like a yeah, and I know he he's you know, and and I've told folks on this show and other shows that I'm a big meditator. I um I'm, I'm pretty sure he does the same thing. Um, so I think he's on kind of like the edge of like what's the new you know ways of running a, a franchise, and everybody talks about how well that franchise is run. And I think they do a great job with media, and I think that they um, you know, they probably run pretty pretty damn well internally. But this um. Uh yeah, here's here comes the big butt. The the small market thing is kind of an excuse to me. I, I I do think that there are you know challenges there, but the way you bring in free agents is is these guys want to win titles. You know, they the, the strength of the team, the strength of the decisions that you've made. It's kind of like you're going in for a job. Here's your resume. You know. What I did is I spent $20 million on each on, or $15 million each on power forwards, five of them. You know, I'm the Knicks. You know, come sign yeah. with me. Yeah. Or I draft really well every year. You know, we have a great player development program. You know, we are constantly competitive, and we're always finding that, that diamond in the rough and, and bringing them in and, and making the most yeah. out of it. So, like, yeah people like LA people like Miami, you know, they like New York, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. In theory, New York. James Dolan deserves his own show, like a reality show about him or, you know, like a, a hard knocks, the James, <laughs> the James Dolan version. Um, but like, okay. So I'm looking at this and I'm kind of just like, at what point in time does, does this Thunder team learn from that mistake that they made way back when, which is turning the, the franchise over to Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook and Kendrick Perkins, yeah. to be frank, and, and Scott Brooks. Like, it was like they all sort of bought their own, what they, were, what they were preaching. They bought it hook, line, and sinker, and they couldn't stop themselves from jacking up bad shots letting Kevin Durant dictate the way that that offense worked, you know, um, and, and obviously Russell Westbrook letting, you know, him dictate how he was going to play. And, and, and then the fact that they had to have Kevin or probably Kendrick Perkins on the floor during all those winnable playoff games, that it was just so obvious that he was getting beat every single time down the floor 
that he had to be on the floor because those guys wanted him on the floor. <clears throat> Scott Brooks wanted him on the floor. Well, that to me is the legacy of this team. Like right. they, they had it in their hands. They should have won like three championships, right? but they didn't. So what was your thoughts when you, when you heard Presti's, you know, or heard about Presti's uh, letter to the, uh, to the public? I hadn't heard much of the letter, but that part that you read was pretty funny. Um, I heard a lot of his, I, I was listening to his press conference and, um, you know, like, I, I don't know. I mean, he's never going to come out and say, hey, I screwed up. I should have had a, um, a harder-nosed coach in there. Because I believe when they when he was drafted, Durant, and they were still in Seattle, I believe his first coach was P.J. Carlissima. That, that's correct. And so, like, that is definitely the opposite of Scott Brooks. So I think maybe... And I don't, but that I don't, was a weird year for those guys. I mean, yeah, Presti, Presti worked underneath, you know, the whole uh, Robert, or um, why am I forgetting his first name? Schultz. Schultz. The CEO of Starbucks that was running for president. Yeah, okay. Robert Schultz? I don't know why. <laughs> I had three too many beers last night. Um, he, that organization was under just weird ass conditions. Like they were all being told a lie, you know, to the public about the move. You had Clay Bennett, you know, installed at that point in time as well. Um, he was moving the team no matter what, you know. Right. So it was a weird. And they gave Kevin Durant the ball and just said, "Shoot." I mean, he was averaging right. like I want to say twenty two, twenty three shots as a rookie. That is a right. lot of a lot of shots uh, for a rookie. Yeah. And he was playing shooting guard, yeah. Too, so some weird stuff there. But go on. But no, I just I think maybe you know, and I don't. I'm not as hard on Scott Brooks, I think, as you. Like I, I, I the, the, the skill set of people liking you is valuable for an NBA. It doesn't get you necessarily doesn't get you tight playoff wins. But that's my but it is, yeah. It is valuable. Now, I don't. I don't know. Maurice Cheeks was there, but he's also cut from this from the cloth of players really liking him. Also, so at some point, you have to decide that the best possible thing <laughs> is going to be for these guys to be good, sound basketball players, decision making wise as well. And I think that the they the the lack of confidence in themselves as an organization because they everyone they, they they come off like well we're one of the uh, premier small market you know teams but they 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 operated in this this like we're so afraid of losing these guys that we're not gonna really have we're not really gonna run the organization the way we know it should be run. You're nailing this, you know, man. You're you're absolutely so, nailing this. So afraid we're gonna lose these guys, and they've now lost everybody. And they left. <laughs> well, and this is this so, is. I mean, we're gonna talk about free agency and tampering here in a second. This is the ball game. Like right. the you know Kendrick Perkins. It's funny. He tweeted some stuff about Mark Jackson saying he was getting blackballed uh, for his religious yes. beliefs, and uh, that. I don't, 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Know. I'm not I'm not buying that for one second. And Perk has said a he's number of things. He's being blackballed. I, I'll, I'll give him that. But Is I, he? I feel like he gets mentioned for jobs. I mean, he got mentioned in Sacramento. You know, like there was a, a legitimate balloons being floated up, you know, in, in, inside the walls within the Kings about Mark Jackson. Um, I feel were like. They <laughs> were they, I mean, were they, like were they real? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think there's a lot of players around the league that like Mark Jackson. And if the players like him, I think he will get another chance if he wants to get out of the booth. And there's there's an issue. You know, if you're in the booth for too long, you kind of lose your fastball. So uh, we'll see if he can, you know, get back into the game that way. Um, but, no, Kendrick Perkins, like, he's been out there saying all sorts of stupid stuff. He's been on Fox a lot, so I guess that's kind of their deal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, sh- the, the shouting shows? <laughs> I know, right? Rim shot, ba-boom. Uh, but he's been saying all this stuff, and I'm like, I'm wondering when the media is going to figure out what happened with the Thunder. Because as it was happening, so you said, you know, I'm not as down on Scott Brooks as you are. And, and like, I think you nailed the, the, the whole story with Brooks. He was good at making friends with the players or getting out of their way and, yeah. and doing what they wanted him to do while preaching kind of the, you know, the, the, the kind of coach by narrative stuff that you, you, you'll see around the league, which is, you know, some of it's really smart, some of it's really good, but some of it's kind of like, it'd be great if you could show me something useful to do versus just telling me to play harder. <laughs> right, right. You know, I'm playing, I'm playing hard, Scott. I can't play any harder than this. Uh, so, and, and, uh, and interestingly, I thought Brooks did a lot of, you know, talking about how his guys didn't play hard at times. And it was really funny. You're like, okay, you're playing Kendrick Perkins. He's getting beat every play. How is it these guys fault that they're not playing hard when you have a coaching issue, strategy issue, that's the linchpin of the defense falling apart. Um, but you know, the, the media never understood or even like wanted to, to even broach this topic that Scott Brooks was messing up there. I mean, it happened eventually in the heat series, but the, the Kendrick Perkins stuff had been happening for a couple years and it never got noticed or mentioned. So it was kind of like everybody's talk. We're all talking on Twitter about why this game is the way that it is. And there's this glaring thing. And I think, you know, high end media, they really like Presty. So they don't want to dig in on him and they don't want to dig in on Brooks because they all like Brooks too. He's really good with media, you know, so nobody talked about this stuff until the heat series when, when Chris Bosch was just destroying him. And by then it sort of kind of came into focus. Um, but if you're competing for a championship, which is what they were doing, you have to have that coach that can get you over the hump. And that's where you get this Steve Kerr narrative that takes place, took place in Sacramento. And they kind of like, we got to get rid of Dave Yeager. You know, so we're going to bring in Luke Walton because he's the guy that can get, get us over the hump. You know, you hear this all over the place. Um, but I, I think with Kendrick out there talking, I'm wondering, like, are you guys all going to figure out that this temperament for this team, he might have been the center of it. And the center of it being like, we just need to play harder. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not like here's a strategy yeah. thing, Kevin. Don't get the ball at 35 feet, and you know, let the guy get up into you, and you get stripped because you you can't play with you know ball pressure. Or Russ, don't jack that shot. That's not a good yeah. one. <laughs> right. Um. I mean, I think it's a lot. I think that 
you know, I, I think it's a lot of, uh, I think you might be letting Presti off the hook a little bit too much. I mean, like, they, they, they definitely, I think the way that they, not only did they, were they soft with Brooks and, and how, and coaching them, and then forget about the game situations. I'm just talking about, like, from the beginning of training camp and what you're going to demand of players. But they also on the on the other end, which I think fed into what we were talking about earlier, with guys, um, you know, guys that have always had you know the high recruits and all that stuff. They 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 they, they run the media there like it's a uh, like it's you know Alabama football, to mm. where if you question one of their guys, you know if you you know it's like you 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 get you ask Nick Saban a tough question, you better be ready to be covering a intramural volleyball for Alabama. This and it's a it's a weird dynamic there because I think the national guys with some weight they feel that pressure. Like yeah. well because you you got this team you think about it, you got this team of these you got the three of the most electric young players in the league and you know they're they're all the rage you're going to want to get an interview with them. You know, like it's just the it, it's just the way it is. Like you you don't want to go like, oh, you know, uh, they're really doing some. I know that this team is really 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 good, but you know, I tell you what, they, that those moves they're making in Milwaukee, even though they're not that good, I tell you what, those guys know how to run an organization. We're gonna talk to some of them. I'm gonna go talk to Brandon Jennings. No, you want you want, <laughs> you know what you want to you want to be in with the hot team with the hot story. So I think there was an overall, the overall guide for the way they ran the entire organization was, we can't lose these guys. So we'll make it as easy as possible on the floor, in, in practice, bring in who they want, don't, you know, talk, say what, only, only get fluff questions in the media, and... Life don't work that way. You got to you got to get some skin. I think in the this game. is actually a league problem. Like there there's um <laughs> So the Knicks big. are getting heat right now for the way they conduct their media um you know and what I think the league needs to do is just step in and basically say like teams you kind of lose you lose control here. You 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 lose like you can't be restricting access. If you're a for-profit like there's a lot of you know question like you know should somebody be credentialed you know like you know they're doing a blog and they basically don't you know they don't it's not really a thing you know should they yeah. be getting credentials to get into whatever <clears throat> and then you just have everybody else you know that's you know running whatever for profit enterprise and you know the league should step in and say basically teams you got to let them have you know time with the players you got to let them have this, that, and the other, and and just stick with. There's rules actually already on the book about a lot of this stuff. But you know, like the, the Thunder, they they definitely do. They they go to the the, the one end of the scale where they're not going to let you talk to the players. You know, mm-hmm. and and that puts you know culturally, if you can't go, and this is what Steve Kerr does really well. He's so loose and easy with the media and the Warriors. Yeah. Raymond Ritter is is the pro's pro. Like he's gonna figure out, you know, like if you're a legitimate enterprise, you know, and, and you do the work, you're gonna come in and you can talk with Steve Kerr openly and, and, and honestly. And the same thing with a lot of their players, you know, they make them available and, and it's just run like a, a well oiled machine. And right. if you're if you're an organization that can't be criticized, right. what does that do internally? 
to your people. I mean, how can you tell Russell Westbrook not to take an 18-footer he shouldn't take if he can't sit with the local beat writer and just chop it up? You know, and it, and it really to, it speaks a lot of the player empowerment era, which is this free agency issue that Steve Kerr was talking about when he said Anthony Davis's trade wasn't good for the league. And he said that on Monty Poole's Great Warriors Insider podcast, I might add. There's people out there not giving him his credit for his interview. And Monty's one of the good guys. Um, but, you know, like, if you can't be criticized, it's going to filter through to the Russell Westbrooks, the Kevin Durants, and they might not look in the mirror right. you know, with, with this kind of stuff. And, and free agency has sort of created this kind of question for the league. Is this stuff good for the league? And I would argue that if you're forcing your way out of New Orleans the way that you did if you're Anthony Davis, that that would be an example of something that's not necessarily great for the league. Um, and at the same time, at the same time, players should have just as much freedom to make decisions as teams have. I think. I, I think that it's... You know, it's one of those things where, like, to me, like, these, you know, the, the tampering stuff and all that, the, you got to, like, you, you got to be comfortable in your own skin. Like, you got to say, you know, like, the, the Paul George thing is funny because Kendrick brought that up when he was on um, NBA radio. He brought that up, how that's not getting looked at the same and And, and I guess it should, they could both be looked at the same, Anthony Davis and him. But the reality of the situation is, like, if you're a small market team, you do have to have a little bit of the, you know, you got to be excited about being here. You know, like, we're, we're not L.A. We're not New York. We're not, you know, Miami. We're not Chicago. Like, you actually have to be excited about being here. And if you're not, I mean, I don't know what else to do to prove you, to prove to you that this is a good place. You know, we got a good coach. We've drafted well. Uh, the fans are nuts. You know, like you have overwhelming. Like you, you have, at some point gotta gotta say like we're gonna run this thing right. And if you don't want to be here because you got an agent chirping at you and telling you how bad this it is and how everything's gonna be better in one of these other cities, you can't start. Sh- you can't shift the organization because because at the end of the day, like. Everybody, if, if every all star is not going to win a championship, <laughs> you know, so they're like, like, there's no guarantee that Anthony Davis is going to get anything in LA. We don't even know if they're going to get to the finals. So wh- why are you, why are you going to break your neck to keep a guy that blames you for everything? I mean, Anthony Davis played like crap in that second round series against the Warriors. He played like crap, you know. Kevin Durant in game six and seven against the Warriors played like crap. You know, like that, at some point, you got to get guys who are going to get in front of the microphone and be like, dude, I played like crap. I was terrible. I got to do better. The Warriors are better than me. This, this team was better than me. And instead, everyone's, they're, they're like, oh, you know, if we only, we, we got to make moves. If we only had this, if we only had that. So I just think some of these yeah. small market teams, instead of bitching and moaning about the tampering, they got to they got to they got to get better guys and they got to get guys with character who who want to be there. 
and and not chase them out and call not like the Spurs and chase Hall of Famers out the door calling them liars. You know, like like some some of this stuff is easy. Like you, you're the Spurs, you're a small market team, you have a legacy already. You 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 screwed this damn thing up. Now you can't blame Big City. You can't blame anything. If they hadn't called Kawhi Leonard a liar, he'd be he'd be on the Spurs right now. You know, so like there's. There's a lot of blame to go around, but the, the the main thing, and I think maybe Utah's the only one that actually stays in their lane like that. I just think that Utah's not a place that a lot of NBA guys want to spend, want to live in. But they're the they're the one of the small market organizations that I think really stays the course. There, and says, We're going to get good coaches. They're going to coach guys hard. They're going to do this. And if you, Gordon Hayward, you want to leave, bye. We're not. We're not going. We. We're here. Here's the max deal. We want you to stay. You don't want to. You don't want to be here. Bye. Well, Is it? There's you know, two. We're not going to. We're not going to start like saying that no one could. Uh, no one in the media can can say that Gordon Hayward uh, d- didn't play well. No, he didn't play well. Kick rocks. Well, we, we, I no. mean, that was a blessing in disguise. That had nothing to do with the injury that they didn't keep him. Absolutely. You know, he, he was yeah. overpriced. But. Absolutely. But Absolutely. but there's two things that you've circled around here, and, and we've only got a little bit of time, um, but I do want to touch on them. So one is this sort of like, it's the, the operation the players are running, I think, is extremely sophisticated now. As everything has gotten more sophisticated. So I think with data and news traveling so fast, like guys can like, I mean, the reorganization of interests you know, interests throughout the league, my interests as a player, my interests as, as an agent, like these things can expand and collapse at rates that we've never seen before. So like the league can pivot on one player's decision. And I think maybe five to 10 years ago, that stuff might not have happened, you know, like, so guys are finding their lane that's good for them. And they're, they're basically saying, look, I don't want to be here anymore. So you can either deal with that you know we'll go through this together it'll it'll be bumpy and, and you might not like that but here's where i really want to be and and i'm not going to re-sign with you you know they play their leverage and so throughout the league there's now this culture of like who am i playing with what's our who, who are we getting you know yeah. and and they're like kind of just like looking around the league and if and if the grass is greener on the other side then they start getting you know you know, itchy, you know, they get the, they just get an itch and they're like, I got to go. And this, you know, has been translated into by agents. I think are selling these players pretty damn effectively, you know, like it's about player empowerment and all this BS. It's like, it's not about, I mean, you watch Anthony Davis on that show that LeBron has on, on HBO. He looked like he had been brainwashed by a cult. Yeah. And yeah. said that he didn't even sound remotely confident in what he said. Yeah, and it's like this pretext for why I went to L.A. No, no, it's not that. You just wanted to be in L.A. And, um, there's, and there's nothing wrong with that. But, but then it comes back to how do you conduct yourself to get it? Even that, like you know, if you take away, like, okay, you didn't know, like, not knowing. Like Zion is the only reason, only thing that I think changed things. Like getting the number one pick. If Anthony Davis was inclined to think about not staying, about staying, then like you're like, okay, we're gonna match him up with Zion. But they did get a haul for him. 
you know, because the like, Lakers were stupid. Well, okay, well, let's go like yeah, but let's go like with okay. I was saying that a little facetiously, but no, 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 they are stupid. But like, let's just say, like, um, <laughs> you know, if Paul George was like, "I love OKC," he starts looking at different businesses to invest in there. He's buying a, a a little vacation spot by a lake, whatever. And OKC is like, he's he's on board with OKC. If the Clippers call him and call OKC and offer what they offered. Even though Paul George wanted to be there, they got to make that trade. But the Paul George Russell Westbrook combination has got you out in the second round and now out in the first round. Like, not even close in the first round. So it's this whole like player empowerment, like, like it's like we always talk about LeBron. Like, as far as being GMs go, they don't know what the hell they're doing. So, so, well, so if you're, if you're an organization, like, just just be you and be an organization and let that, all this stuff because and, because and that's, people are gonna they're gonna learn like like Russell Westbrook is gonna be like dude man like I mean I, I like shooting the ball thirty times in the fourth quarter but it'd be nice if James Harden like kind of showed up and acted like he wanted to play <laughs> you know like you, you're gonna find that out I want to I so, want to bring it home on this point you're making because like. What you're seeing is the players are trying to move around and, and improve their own personal situations and agents are really pushing buttons and, and the ability to push your way out of contracts is really what I think people are sort of kind of not good with. Like yes. it's yeah. like, I think at least if, you know, when you're talking with people that aren't mouth breathing, you know, idiots, they can go, they can do the two and two here. They can go, the team has no problem cutting or trading or whatever scenario we're talking about. Yeah. You know, they might not play you, right? You know, like there's things the teams do all the time. And yes, players should be able to do all of that stuff. And it just depends on the context. You know, like yeah. what it, what is it that's being done? Like Carmelo Anthony, the way he pulled, he pushed his way out of Denver was not great. That team was in turmoil the entire time it was going on. And Thankfully for the Nuggets, the, the the Dolan got involved and was like, "I got to trade half the team, even though he wants to come here in free agency anyway." You know, yeah. <laughs> you know. So it all worked out for Denver in the long run, but at the time, it wasn't a very good pushing out of of a place. You know, and you know, there's other examples all over the place. But so players are doing that, and GMs like Sam Presti are, you know, they're they want to be player friendly all over the place. Like they, they, that's the whole thing right now is like, how do, how are you relating to your players? How are you marketing them? How are you pumping them up about your organization? Cause they feel teams that is, they feel that players have all the cards, like they can basically do whatever they want. So this backs into a really kind of interesting thing about just people in general is like, how do you comport yourself? Do you morph to be like them or do you morph to be like what, that somebody else might want you to be or do you subscribe to your own philosophy make it good and then say this is what we do here right this isn't what we do for you i mean we right. do lots of things for you but this is what we do here and if you don't like that then you can you know go kick rocks yeah. so you, you stay true to yourself that way and that's with presti you know like that i wonder you know they got all these picks 
they should be able to, and he should have the ability to, <clears throat> you know, really make a contender. But this letter felt like he was asking for like a 10 year pass. Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. And, and that, and that's, and the, and the thing too about this, you know, just to like, cause we, we got to run, but like that, that what you just said and what I've been saying is like, the only thing that's different, it's not just like, you know, what we, you know, how we comport ourselves as people. There's there's decades of history to back up you doing the right thing in in, in in most sports. Like we know an organization runs best when the owner hires smart people and writes checks. The GMs are very good at drafting and and get key, don't shoot for defenses on free agents, but get key free agents and developing uh, players well. Like that's in a, across the board in every sport forever. That's how success has been maintained. So like you saying like, this is what we're going to do here, regardless of what you think or what you want. If you're doing those things, it's actually backed up by and decades of success in every sport. So it's not like you're, it's not even a new philosophy. It's like, dude, this is this is what we're gonna do here. Like, the that's, what, that's what the Warriors did. Like, you throw all that other BS out the thing. That's all they did was draft well, develop, and and, and the people well. that get that, the people who understand this, the winners out there, you know, the Kawhi Leonard's, you know, yeah. the, the the winners, they will see that from miles away. It'll right. be like a beacon right. in the sky, and they will just attract to your right. organization and you know this this all funnels back into you know if you're the knicks and you you're you run a paranoid organization that doesn't bring the media in that's going to have an impact if you're trying to make good with superstars by just doing whatever they say that's going to have an impact you know right. and it, it's all this leadership starts from the top thing and as it relates to free agency and tampering for whatever that's i can't even do the tampering conversation. I know there's investigations and there's things with inducements. All that stuff probably does need to be continually cleaned up. But at the end of the day, this is business. This is, you know, players talking on the blacktop, so to speak. You know, I want to play with you. You want to play with me. That stuff's going to keep happening. Tampering is sort of just a symptom, you know, of whatever the, the system is. And if you're an organization out there, if you choose that road, that path of, of, of staying true to yourself and doing that, you don't have to pitch a free agent on what they want. You can pitch a free agent on what you need <clears throat> and then filter through the ones that don't understand that. Get the guys, like you said, the key free agents. And, and really, honestly, like every free agent out there has a value. Like if you can go and say, look, I got this guy. I got him at a good price. I got this guy at a good price. I got this guy at a good price. Now, should they make more? Should, would, would I like them to make more money? Sure. But when they don't get that money, that means I can spend it somewhere else. So I'm doing a good job of GMing. They might like more money. And, and, and you know we're kind of at odds with that. But let's be real about it. I'm doing good here. And I'm going to get the next Rashawn Holmes, you know, for $5 million. I'm going to get, you know, I'm not going to spend on Chris Paul 40 million a year. You know, you, when you have that resume that you can pitch, you know, maybe it's, maybe it, it works against you a little bit and that players are like, man, I want you to overpay me. 
you know, pay me, you know, that whole thing. Like, it might work against you that way, but I think deep down inside, they're going to be like, hey, you know what? We're going to have a lot of salary cap to go get some guys, so I kind of want to be with that guy. Anyway, I love this show, man. This, this has been fun. Rock. I love it. I love it. So, um, we're, we're yeah, well, I know. Somebody pay us. Um, we, uh, we got a lot of stuff going on. In fact, uh, we probably should have shouted out Hawaiian Isles at the beginning of the show. Um, I'm getting coffee, coffee for us. No shots. I, I'm getting coffee for us. So uh, that's in the works. Um, we got other stuff in the pod side. You guys, oof, man, can't wait. Um, so stay tuned. We'll, we'll be doing some team preview stuff in the coming months. Um, the, f- the frequency on that is a little bit up in the air, but we'll, uh, we'll keep you guys informed. Follow us online on Twitter at twitter.com slash KZANDBRU show, where we have not tweeted for, I want to say, 800 days. I feel great about that. Um, and facebook.com slash KZANDBRU show, where we are great there as well. Cause, great show, man. We'll, uh, we'll talk soon. Another one's in the books. Peace. Peace.